Hey everybody, let me tell you about XYZ's Hypochondriac, called a full-body experience of a movie that you will not want to miss by the Daily Grindhouse XYZ Films Hypochondriac is out on VOD platforms for digital sales and rentals, including Apple TV and Amazon, starting August 4th. Hypochondriac is the debut feature from Addison Heyman based on the true story of his mental breakdown. Rue Morgue said Hypochondriac perfectly exemplifies the power and range that horror possesses and the scariest thing says, not since Steven Soderbergh's brilliant 2018 dedication of mental health in Unsane has there been a film that manages to simultaneously educate and scare the living daylights out of us. Sounds good. Everybody's saying it's this is good, and I got to see this thing. Yeah, we love the we love the folks over at XYZ Films. We do. Uh, Hypochondriac is currently rated fresh by Rotten Tomatoes and is one of the highest scores of any horror film in 2022. Per the Harvard Crimson, yet another rave. Look at all these raves and things are racking up. Harvard Crimson says it is, quote, an important film for the current moment, offering a gorgeously complex narrative of queer love and self-realization that transcends genre or audience. Hypochondriac is out on digital platforms and available for rental this August 4th. So check it out. Very well done, Eric. And I am here with this week's Fangoria House ad read. In 1979, the first issue of Fangoria was released into the world. It's been over 40 years and they are better than ever. Each issue bringing you 100 pages of exclusive, carefully curated content honoring horror's past, present and future these articles and interviews will never be published online so the only way to read them is by getting your hands on a physical collectible copy of your own we can't give anything away because we want the experience to be a surprise but we can safely say that you do not want to miss a single page head to fangoria.com to learn more and to you know subscribe and while you're there make sure to enter the promo code kingcast to save 25 percent off your annual subscription now on with the show. I did a whisper version. I did it whispery that time. I liked it. It's got ASMR King cast. Start the fucking show. <laughs> start the hey 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 you start the fucking show. Hi, my name is Stephen King. He's gonna break! Well, sometimes that is better. Hello and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. I am very excited to have today's guest on the show with us this week, gang. You'll you'll know him from his work on Black Mirror, The Lost Symbol, The Boys, which he shot the pilot for, and of course, 2016's excellent 10 Cloverfield Lane. This week, he's dropping the highly anticipated Prey, a prequel to 1987's Predator. Well, I guess all the Predators, really, over on <laughs> Hulu. Today, he's here to talk to us about The Raft, a short story from Stephen King's Skeleton Crew collection, and a segment in the otherwise janky Creep Show 2. You know him, you love him. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Mr. Dan Trachtenberg to the KingCast stage. How are you doing today, Dan? I am good. I'm stoked. I'm so stoked yeah. to be here. Yeah, thanks you for are, coming on. Yeah, of course. And you also are probably soaked because... You made a Predator movie, and it's coming out very soon, yes? Yeah, I am. I am. Um, yes. I, I, there's there's a link to certainly my relationship to 
not being allowed to see, not being allowed to read certain things a la Stephen King and not being able to see certain things a la Predator when I was a kid. And now I have both read and seen Stephen King and I have made a Predator movie. <laughs> Take that, parents. Yeah. Now what? I My understanding is that you have you were talking about doing this movie or or pitched it like all the way back in 2016 you and another writer is that correct yeah i pitched it um even before having a writer i i i had emailed the studio the pitch uh maybe it was 2017 um but but yes it was quite some time ago and it 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 ignited very quickly it was like great who do you want to write it um let's do it and it and it and it was while um, the last Predator movie, the Shane Black Predator movie, was either prepping or or very early yeah. days of production. And the the pitch was that it could exist. I think I don't know which Star Wars movies had come out then, but it was like you know I assume that Shane was doing this sort of new trilogy starter, and that this kind of thing could exist as a Rogue One or Solo. Um, yeah. kind of thing, um, and then uh, they were they were down for the duo development of it, and then it became very close to his movie coming out. So they said, "Well, let's just wait and see how that does." And then the Disney merger happened, and then so everything kind of went down for at least a year or so. Um, mm-hmm. And then was delighted to get a call from a from a new exec over there that. Um, or someone who's new to the project and, and read it and said, whoa, why are we not making this? And and then it kicked up again. Would that be Steve Asbel? Uh, well, it was Scott Eversano, who uh, Steve was, was had always been there um, and I think was just not, you know, just didn't have his new role. Um, and then Scott brought it to Steve. And then, and yeah, Steve is like um, a, a very rare head of a studio and then he's an uber (laughs) uber fan of movies um and and particularly um genre stuff and 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 even more particularly predator so it was a delight to to you know be in collaboration with someone like him and and make this movie almost effortlessly um in regards to the relationship between a director and and a movie studio sure steve's a steve's a friend of mine we we kind of go back some years because uh you know, I'm a big alien dude. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously he's insanely into alien. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen his office and whatnot. He likes to text me pictures of all the insane, like alien memorabilia. He has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think just to taunt me, but he did send me a few years ago, one of the Prometheus baseball caps that was made like for the crew on oh. the ship, you oh, know? Wow. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, that's one of like, like a cherished possession. Like wow. I, I, I love that dude. And I'm, I'm have, I am totally not surprised that, um, he helped get this one made this, as you said, he is like a huge genre guy and also, yeah, very unlike, uh, what you would expect from somebody like heading up a division of Disney. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that too. Yeah. It feels refreshing, at least for people who grew up with uh, Predators. Like it seems like ever since Predator Two, we just couldn't get the Predator in nature, you know, and um, you know, uh, uh, a face off with human uh, one one strong human being or whatever, which is kind of the core of what makes 
predator work in the originals like you know man versus versus monster or whatever but it was a very machismo thing and it seems like you're taking what worked in that original uh, at least in the premise mm-hmm. um and you know but also flipping it so it's not just a testosterone factory that the original film was yeah it's sort of coming at it i mean yes part of the premise of this is going back to what was the was the primal undercurrent of the original movie but also, I, by the way, ironically, I don't know where I was in the development of this. I think I think we were, um, you know, just in previs land and, and what have you. But I remember listening to Scott on Screen Drafts uh, to plug another podcast. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, talking about the Predator franchise. Um, and you guys very astutely um, were noting that that you could look at the original movie as a deconstruction of machismo um, and, and, and basically stating like none of that attitude works. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And, and so this movie sort of coming at it from the other angle, um, but still quite similar um, thematically. Uh, So, um, but yeah, you know, weirdly there's a part of the origin of this that is of, of, of prey for me um, that is quite similar to my my origin um, in Stephen King, in that like I was too young to see Predator when it came out. Um, I was in third grade, and I remember the I remember the weekend it came out. I was in a van on the way to a karate tournament, and all the sixth graders had seen the movie, and we spent the entire ride to the tournament with them describing scene by scene the entire movie. And I distinctly remember they described a scene where Billy, the Native American tracker, stopped behind on a bridge over a waterfall, cuts himself, and then fights the predator. And I was like, oh, my God, how cool that's on the bridge over a waterfall. He battles the thing, you know, and then I see the movie. And of course, it's you just hear a scream off screen. You do not. That scene is not in the movie. Um, this is back in the film days. Did you go like, oh, we missed a reel or something? <laughs> right. right, right. <laughs> um, so so I, I'd always been obsessed with like, oh, that's the thing that I wanted to see. And and so certainly the, there was a kernel there that inspired this movie I just made. but. The way in which, just to jump into uh, uh, what I know you guys are bound to ask me, is what is my King origin story? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, hold on, hold on a second. I have more questions. About oh, okay, that. okay. I'm sorry. Well then, um, well then, to be continued, I will jump back. Yes, into that. yes. Okay. The, the listeners can wait. Um, I, I have questions. I'm curious what you what you made of the situation uh, when the first teaser dropped for this movie, mm, mm. and people were being for lack of a better term, big giant wet diaper babies about the concept of say someone defeating a predator or even, even attempting to fight a predator with like a bow and arrow. And it seemed like anyone who has seen a fucking predator movie, particularly the original would understand that that's sort of, part and parcel to this entire franchise is like overcoming this thing that is so much more technologically advanced than you. And I'm wondering if that like frustrated you or if you were just like, 
<laughs> what the fuck are these guys doing? Or, you know, what was your reaction to that? Yeah. I mean, a swirl of things. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Frustration. Frustration. Um, cool. Sorry, interrupted by my by my my child. Um, oh, nice. Very careful talking about these subjects uh, in in, uh-huh. in in regards to where my office is. <laughs> yes, location wise, the rest of the house. Um, but uh, yeah, super super frustrated. On the one hand, you feel like, oh my gosh, you didn't really watch the movie that you love. You know, like it's right. It's it's not even just like. <sighs> It's not even just like spiritually about the thing, you know. It's like, right. dude, it's literally he's holding a bow and arrow. Like the whole yeah. point, a guy with a big Gatling gun is the first to go. Gets mm-hmm. you know, and then like slowly but surely, the only thing that's left is he's just in mud with sticks and stones at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. Like I, I just, yeah. it's it's so bizarre that that. But then at the other hand, I totally get that our memories of things are sometimes very different than. The things themselves. I do that all the time. Where often it's all the time in conversation about where we reference movies and when we're making them, and then we go back and watch, and we're like, "Oh, wait a second, no, that is there is something like the thing we were arguing about in this thing," you know. Um, so I understand that, and I want to be um, sensitive to that. But I also, but then people are jerks about. And by the way, right. very, very somewhat vocal minority. I, I think the overwhelming oh, yeah. reaction yeah. embrace the premise. Um, and I'm anxious for, you know, when people watch the movie, it, it, there's there's just so much going on in terms of, like, I mean, I hope, you know, like what remains to be seen when everyone watches it. But <clears throat> certainly a lot of effort was put into making this feel more like a movie, um, more like a very well-rounded story rather than just a genre exercise. Um but also, and certainly a character that's far more relatable to everyone, I think, um, than, than what has been um, the lead of, of the movies prior. Uh, and then also, I really think we're delivering on some pretty cool Predator action um, and horror. So the pedal goes to the metal in this movie at a certain point, and it just does not let up. Um, and so I think that all kinds of people that are have all sorts of different expectations for the movie will get what they want out of it. Nice. Well, my expectation is that a time traveling Danny Glover shows up. <laughs> uh, you're going to get what you want, bro. You're going to okay. get it with a pirate gun and a xenomorph skull under yes. one arm. <laughs> By the way, you know, uh, don't sue me when the uh, when I when we when we make the sequel to this. What do you mean? I'm just, I'm just joking. I don't, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> with Danny Glover. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember there was um there was a a, a period of time I was talking with, I guess it, I was on the set of Robert Rodriguez's Predators movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just went to visit because they shot in Austin, so that mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. real easy for me to go down there and and uh, hang out, which was you know nerd me. I was like, oh hell yeah, I got to see it, and it's really one. It's really fucking funny to go and see you know. Derek Mears who was in the predator suit you know he's the nicest dude in the world you'll talk to him in between takes and then they put on his predator face and you're like holy shit there's a predator there you know mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that was really cool but I remember talking with Rodriguez in Nimrod on tell there and they were telling me that uh, like there was an initial draft of Robert's story that had 
um, uh, them going to like a, a planet where they had a zoo, uh, like a bunch of people in cages mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh, one of the, 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 in that, like both Danny Glover's character and I think Schwarzenegger's character were like held in a zoo because where they put everybody that ever defeated a predator. Mm-hmm. And it was a, like a prison breakout, but an alien pr- breakout movie was like the initial concept. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought about that. That always seemed like, one incredible fan fiction and two like that I could actually see that being like kind of fun. So mm -hmm. I don't know where I'm going with this other than uh, that is a predator thing that almost happened or was in somebody's mind at some point. But I I think what happened was Schwarzenegger in that era then was like either coming right off of the govern governorship or going into politics and was just kind of out, out of the running. Mm -hmm. He'd do it in a heartbeat now, probably. Mm. How do you, how do and Mm. just, (laughs) <laughs> like um uh if you could can you rank your your predator movies or I do think you not we, want to I do really that? feel like we I feel like we all pretty much have the same ranking um <laughs> I've not heard you know, much wavering on this but certainly one is one um mm-hmm. and then I think two is two and then predators and I, 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 could, I think an predators. argument can be made for Predators being ranked above two, for sure. Yes, I would be with you on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I might feel that way, but I'm also... Two has some cool... some real. I mean, the thing is, is that, I, you know, after one, they all have cool bits. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just right, how cool right. are the bits. Not, I don't know that anything is holistically a great film after one, but they all definitely do have great bits. I mean, two, I rank really high... Um, certainly for the ending, um, mm-hmm. for the end tag, but but also, um, also for its tagline, I think is 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 the is like one of the greatest taglines in 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 all movie history. Um, he's in town with a few days to kill. Um, <laughs> uh, so it it really kind of pushes it above. But I think yeah, Predators is great. Um, and then and then that's Shane's movie, right? Yeah, uh, I it, guess it gets so. kind of confusing if you throw. I don't know the, the AVPs and stuff. Yeah, right? the the AVP. I'm I'm just not. I and then you do the first do AVP. If you're including them, you do the first AVP and then the second AVP. You know, I mean, it's like right. you know, we're gonna get yelled at for talking about this. I'm sure uh, ranking <laughs> predators above Predator Two, but honestly, like mm-hmm. I've Predator Two is just not. It has never been the movie I've wanted to see. You know, I I don't care about the Predator in L.A. It just, I just, I just don't. And I've watched that movie so many times and I, I appreciate it. And you're right. There's like tons of great bits in there, but as a, like a cohesive whole, it, it, it's never entirely worked for me. And what I like about predators is all the weirdo fucking world building that goes on in the Mm. margins of that movie, you know, Mm -hmm. with, you know, them unleashing these other creatures that we've never seen before. In some cases, you don't even get a good look at them before the they're predator dogs. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> the predator. Well, I guess we can call them that they're. Yeah. I think of the predator dogs from from Shane Black's The Predator. But mm. the but you you you're on the right track. The thing yeah. on like four legs. Predator. Yeah. Predator. Little things from Willow. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the scariest movie creature of all, you know, of all time for in in terms of you know, yeah, way, at least the way I recall them feeling. Yeah, it's yeah. also super mean spirited, which I really appreciate. Like, and w- I, I Willow just, or the pre- Willow ones, right? <laughs> Both of them. Willow yeah. knows what it did. 
Um, <laughs> but well, at any rate, we're really excited to see Prey. It's probably worth noting that uh, we have not seen it at the time that we're recording this. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm fucking I'm dying to see this thing. And it looks so beautifully shot. Um, I'm hyped. I'm I'm genuinely hyped for this. Movie. Oh, I, I hope, can't I wait. I can't wait for you. I'm, yes, I'm anxious to hear what you guys think when you see Excellent. it for sure. So now we can move on to your Stephen King <laughs> origin story. Go ahead. You, your parents were not, uh, your parents were not good or were not permissive. It sounds like, is that correct? Yeah. I mean, uh, and you know, I think there's a part of the origin that's the same as almost everyone's where like I had older siblings and my parents and the books were in the house. I think we, ironically, I didn't even know that the raft was in skeleton crew, but skeleton crew was in the house. And I would like, look at the cover and want to read it. But it was, I mean, for, per- personally, when I encountered it, I just, I don't know if my reading level, you know, permitted me to like actually be able to you know understand any of it um and i i think eyes of the dragon were, were also i had like very hardback green book um that i also think i attempted and, and didn't but then eventually always knew of king was always scared of the idea of it um of, idea of him and his writing and then um we were on a road trip family road trip and i saw the gunslinger um and that cover was awesome and the, the idea of a book called the gunslinger and then this great writer wrote it and i was like here's an opportunity where my mom like it's not like crazy killer clowns like it's just a cowboy thing um so she'll let me read this um yeah so totally I, totally chill that so i so i so i i convinced her to um buy it for me and I start reading in the back. And the unfortunate thing about my personality as a child is that, like, I, I remember going over a friend's house, not being allowed to see Spaceballs. And then eventually I wasn't allowed to see Terminator 2. And I remember both those times I, I watched them. And then I came home and I told my mom. Um, why would you? Why? I know. I know. I don't know what was wrong with me. So uh, Confessing shit. You shouldn't be confessing. I know. So I'm reading this. I start reading The Gunslinger. Um, and I, on the first couple of pages, there's something vulgar. I couldn't tell you. It was like boobs or something. And so I tell my mom and she's, she, I know terrible, but here, but here's what happens. Interestingly, um, uh, she, uh, decide, I say, I really want to read it though. And she goes, okay, I will read it each chapter before you. And then and go oh, through Lord. it. She goes through it with a permanent black marker, and then censors out things she doesn't want me to read. Um, this is fucking. It, cra- it, we it's just- so incredible that you're mentioning this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who was it that we were it, just? It, it was. Uh, oh really? Uh, uh, oh, uh, James Austin Johnson. James Austin Johnson. Yeah, I don't know why I blanked on his name. Yeah. Yeah, from James- SNL, and yeah, and, and he he sold censored. Yeah, yes. he was he was a very religious kid. And so he would, when he was reading uh, the books, he would go through and sharpie out like anything objectionable with the idea being that, well, if his parents ever discovered this book in his room, they would at least see that he was putting in the effort to like, you know, rid the world of these words. Funny. Yeah. That's a wild coincidence. Funny. Um, so yeah, and I would like try and hold it up to the light to read the word. But, but by the way, I still was a little too young for it, and still didn't really get through it. Um, and my 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 ultimate um, 
my ultimate convergence was uh, finally w- watching the It miniseries, which to this day is the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, that that is that is uh, the ultimate scariest thing. When they, I remember watching with my friend Alan Goinkman on uh, uh, we were on on a couch at night, um, and we it was a sleepover. And when the kid winks in the picture, mm-hmm. both of the cover, we <laughs> threw our covers up in the air. Like his landed on me, mine landed on him. Like we were absolutely terrified. I remember forcing him to stand watch when I went to the bathroom. And then he like forced me to stand watch. And then I was so freaked out just standing in the dark hallway that I just abandoned him. Um, so it was, yeah, it was the kid winking, obviously the opening in the suit with the, him being sucked in the suit with the kid winking. And then. What was the other ter- most terrifying part of that movie for me? Maybe the... <sighs> I don't know. Uh, Pennywise coming through the shower. Yeah, Fuck maybe. Man. I was just going to say good. in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there's, there's something... I will say this, too. There's, there's a real... Maybe you guys have discussed this. I don't know. But the thing that I would qualify his work with... And... and and I would also say in the stuff that I've read of Joe Hill as well, it's what struck me when I first read Lock and Key because that mm-hmm. was the first thing I'd read from Joe Hill. Um, is there's there's maybe not in every time, but there's often this bu- these bullies. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, right. Bullies is a is a real thing. It's real through oh, line yeah. through a lot of the works, and it and and that are very like and the feeling of, of when you're a child and you're around a bully. Is this very scary, like you're not in control and the thing could go off the rails at any second. This guy could, this person could really hurt, like being toyed with by someone who's a little bit more powerful than you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always a terrifying feeling. As I can remember distinctly quite a few of the bullies I had encountered and feeling like, oh, they could really hurt me. I was trying to negotiate with them, like, don't hurt me, don't, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that feeling is so often captured from stand by me to, to obviously to it mm-hmm. um and in, in the the opening of of lock and key that's like those bully guys are the people that murder the fight fo- you know like there's just this it feels like it's not just relying on the supernatural horror things that you would think are when you hear of stephen king as when you when you're younger or whatever and you the idea of it and oh it's a killer clown but it's these other things that are happening in the real world those are not in those are not a staple of horror movies that's that's very but it's very much a staple of it there it's not even just like oh and the real world horror becomes the real heart and no it's like there is just like this real world thing happening amongst it that right. is just very seedy and gross feeling and off-putting and 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 then and then yeah taps into that emotion of being not in control of what might happen to you from like a real um in in this grounded way um yeah. so uh that I found always found very disturbing. Yeah. Lots of bullies, lots of uh, uh, religious zealotry, mm. you know, in King stuff. It's like if there's a bad guy, they're either going to be a fifties greaser or a, or a preacher <laughs> or, or right. super, someone super religious. That their name's like uh, Big Jim or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, right. Which interesting that, is on this yeah. on the topic of bullies. Very quickly, um, we had. Uh, uh, a friend of ours on the show once named Zach Dion and he, his, his episode that he did was defending under the dome. Eric and I not huge fans of the ending of that book, um, which I, I know a lot of people weren't. Um, and especially 
that stands out when, you know, it's such a long book. But um, he, like, in my mind, here's how fucking dumb I am. Like, in my mind, uh, the ending of Under the Dome sort of came out of nowhere, like, delivering this message that seemed not of a piece with everything else. And I couldn't really, I, I couldn't get my head around that. And he pointed out, well, the whole book's about bullying. You know, it's, you know, it's about this microcosm of, you know, humanity living under this dome. And, you know, that you've got the the big Jim character and you've got like the, uh, you know, his his henchmen and shit. And um, they're all trying to exert power over the people that are trapped in there. And that ultimately uh, the ending with the with the uh, and spoilers, if you haven't read Under the Dome, but like the the aliens sort of like removing the dome and, you know, um, you know, taking sympathy on the lead character, you know, for because, you know, they had some trauma in their past or something like he, he did a way better job of laying this out, but it, it recontextualized the entire book for me in like an instant when I heard that. And I felt so foolish for not picking up on that uh, sooner. But yeah, bullying, huge, huge cornerstone of of King's work. And also, also, it, you're right that it pops up in Hill stuff a lot. So, um, um Wait, where do we go from here? What were we talking about? <laughs> well, I guess that's, that is my origin story, right? Oh, I mean, okay. That is, right. So that, yeah, I mean, it, it, and, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I've never, I'm certainly not a massive fan the way that um, you guys are and some other folks on this podcast, but I've always been drawn to the, the, the various, and by the way, not, not for nothing, but 10 Cloverfield Lane is basically a remake of misery um it is, <laughs> it is certainly structure wise beat for beat that movie that is misery and dead calm were the with the with the major references for right. it um, oh man i love dead calm so great the flip being that in misery you think she's sweet and then it becomes oh no she's not and in tangler the lane starts out like oh my god he's horrifying and then it becomes maybe he isn't <laughs> and then other things happen but yeah so always have drawn inspiration um and certainly really loved looking forward to the next miniseries event mm-hmm. as a kid you know like re- recording them you know setting my vcr plus to <laughs> to re- record them when they right. aired so i could fast forward through the commercials um but i remember tommy knockers coming out being super excited um yeah how'd that turn out for you yeah it didn't turn out well. yeah i mean I, by the way i think i think that one i like missed the recording didn't work and i always missed some um but also that was how i watched creep show too um was recorded off of tv edited for television um so the deeply problematic part of this that i just i just revisited this for the first time um, like literally my, my interest in discussing this with you guys was based off of how deeply it affected me as a, as a kid. Mm. Um, and I only just now revisited it. And on the one hand, as soon <laughs> You're as I started, like, oh, I was why like, did I pick this? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, interestingly, I was like, I know, I know why this got me. This does have a couple really remarkable things in it. And then there was another thing in it 
that I don't even think I ever saw. Like, it was like, what is happening here? But there's another, and there's another quality to it that's a part of all of those. I mean, many movies we all watched as children. Um, that I that I I wonder what you guys think of philosophically mm. in terms of there's a lot of these movies and this is that are very poorly made. Um, mm. <laughs> and like just from a from pure well, there's two things going on. One. Well, I put on Creepshow too, and and like the music and like having the animated sequences that I, uh-huh. I it was struck me as like, oh my god, how rad '80s like reminded me of heavy metal. Um, uh-huh. But there's a, and this music like is so scary that kind of synthy whatever, and and it's like, is that scary because I was a kid and like you know like was that was that like cool music in the to the adults you know they were putting cool music in but for mm. me it was scary because i link it to the movies that i was watching that mm. would that had that music in like creep show and and whatever you know any or any john carpenter thing you know um right or is it actually is there is it is it actually scary but but and it's also the filmmaking like something about the poor filmmaking that makes it feel seedy an amateur and does it like somehow tap into the like part of our brain that feels like we might be watching a snuff film like it feels like incorrect and wrong yeah so it like triggers something in us that we're watching so that it makes it feel even scarier um than than maybe it otherwise would be if it was actually made well even to the point i would say content wise of the raft that it's a bizarre like there's no point to it. Like the the choices that the characters they're all the, the, especially the problematic bit. Um, I don't know if you guys want to describe like into like what the what yeah the we thing. should we should yeah. we yeah. should go ahead and the and... fact that I'll just say just to finish that sentence like the fact that like doesn't seem like there's something that there's a point to the story that there, there's no there's no proper structure to it that's like oh it's about this person who has this issue and they overcome it like it's just that makes it feel even more disturbing um whether that's intended and i would posit probably not um although you've blown my mind that this was i did not know that this was a short story in, in skeleton crew until you just entered it eric so like i'm anxious to hear what that original story is and how it differs from this um but there are there are some cool things about it but anyway yeah go go ahead if you want to describe for everyone um we usually make the guests do this but uh but i will (laughs) i will step forward i mean the short story isn't all that different uh it ends a little bit differently well it ends pretty significantly differently um and it's uh the people go on the raft, go through more hell, but essentially it's mm. the short story in the, in, uh, as King wrote, it is about these like college kids that decide to go out for a, a, a swim when it's just about too, it's definitely too cold to do it, but they're like, fuck it. This is the last time before everything kind of freezes over and it gets to be full winter. Uh, they go out and it's, uh, two, two guys and two girls. And with all the, the horned up sexual politics you can imagine going on in between those, you know, everybody's got, you know, uh, boners or lady boners for everybody else, except for the person they're with and all that stuff. So there's all that going on uh, and they swim out to the raft and there is a black blob of goo in the water that traps them on the raft and then slowly eats them one by one. Um, 
uh, so that's the basic setup. And and I think the setup in Creepshow is pretty similar. You just don't get the whole conversation between the main characters, like deciding to go do it. Like in Creepshow, it just picks up with them like in the car, right? As they're going to the, yeah. to, to the thing. Um, yeah, it's a, li- yeah sh- it's a little more fleshed out, but it's essentially the same thing. Essentially the same. For the, except for the ending. Except and for the what's ending, the more what's the more hell that they go through? And the- well, they they do a thing where in in the movie or in the in the creep show two, they can like lay down on the raft. In in the story, the that little glimpses of like the blob going between the boards is like the the space between the boards is bigger on the raft in the story. So they can't he can't sit down the the last guy, and he's like holding like holding the, uh, the like last surviving like lady in his arms, you know? Uh, and so, it, but he's having to stand up all night and they're shivering and it's like freezing cold. It's not just like, Oh, it's a summer day and it's kind of a chilly night. It's like, you know, late fall when they're doing this. So it's, uh, in new England, I think. So as usual with Stephen King. Um, so it's, it's brutal. The, the death of the guy that gets sucked through the, uh, yeah. grabbed through the boards and pulled under, it is. It's my favorite part of the this whole story, and it's yeah. really fucking disturbing because gnarly. Yeah, because it, it much like in the movie, like his uh, he like is pulled down, and his like leg is like mm-hmm. one leg is pointing straight up, and the other one's pointing down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the story, they watch him slowly. Like he, his body's too big for the the hole, so he just slowly like gets eaten and dissolved and mm. crunched, you know, and you know through through this opening like throughout the entire night, and uh, uh, it is it it's really really disturbing. Uh, actually, when I remember that struck me when I revisited that for for the show like some some uh, episodes back. I mean, you're getting you're getting to the thing. That I would I would call the, like you know one of the remarkable things about this, um, and this may just be a me thing, mm. um, but what truly scares me, um, like beyond just a jump scare that happens, usually in horror films as a kid, it's you know it's like oh but that then it becomes cool. Like the design of that creature or the thing, right. you know, it's like, it's all about the jump scare or the, the anticipation, the fright of the anticipation of the thing happening. Um, and, but the thing that really, really gets to me is watching someone slowly go through the pain. Right. Um, and this, I remember this was the, 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 either the first time that I experienced it or was the ultimate experience of it. The other, I will just to have a slight digression, mm-hmm. um, was I think the scariest scene in any Jaws movie is in mm. Jaws two, um, and I feel like we may have got, we talked about this on Twitter um, before, but but the scene where the kids are out rafting, ironically, or not rafting, but they're in their boats, and it's a guy and a girl, and the girl um, they they swing back to the boat, their girl gets there first, and the guy is trying to get back, and this great overhead shot of like Jaws coming towards the boat's in the center, the guy's trying to get to the boat, and Jaws right. is coming from the other end, and you're like, oh no, it's not gonna happen, and then and the shark pulls him down, and he pops back up, and he's like, please, 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 you know, like, and it pulls him down, and she's like watching it happen, right? Um, and then this move, this this the the raft. Like that's every death is like the 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 first one, um, where she's like it's I'm in it's painful it hurts she goes it hurts you know right. like that 
is so even just say, like like gives me like it's it's because it's slowly happening. You can't do anything about it. It's happening to them right now, and there's right. nothing. That's so much scarier to me than a jump scare, um, um, or a gruesome, gory thing. Oh, right. you know, like it's just, or even the design of a creature, whatever it is. It's like the slow death, and so, and even that guy's is a little bit disturbing. Right. Um, he's such a goofball that it's not quite as bad. And as he's the, also got a crazy speedo on, which is very distracting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and um, apologies if, uh, if listeners can hear this, apparently my neighbor is deciding to dig up their entire, uh, uh, driveway, I guess. And so there's a machinery, heavy machinery beeping out there. Uh, I will try to mute myself as much as I can, but, uh, you will hear just like that, that beep going on right now. But crazy uh, that that is, is even more, severe in the in the story in the written story right uh i, well, I think I it's mean, funny oh, sorry sorry scott um i just want to jump off real quick on this slow death thing mm-hmm. uh, i think it's really really funny that you mentioned that because it's absolutely true you look at uh, like saving private ryan mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we have two mm-hmm. moments in there there's the that always like just the got knife. me and mm-hmm you know, one of course is the, the slow stabbing at the end, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where he begging for his life. Uh, I know but the exactly other one is, the other one you're going to say Giovanni Ribisi. Oh, I do not no, know exactly not. what you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. I thought well, you were going to say the guy who's like his, his arms are blown off or something on the beach at the beginning. Oh. And he's like looking for them or some shit. No. Oh yeah. Where, yeah. yeah he's like dazed, but just like, like a dude yeah. just going through a, a grocery aisle, finding yes. his arm and walking yes. around that, that, I mean, it, it, that's very affecting, but like, but that, that whole process that Giovanni Rubisi goes through in saving private Ryan where he shot and he's like, he's also the medic. So he's like trying to direct them on how to do it. And mm-hmm. as he's slipping away, he like regresses into being a child and mm-hmm. is calling for his mother mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, the slow mm-hmm. death. It is just mm-hmm. heart wrenching, you know, mm-hmm. and there is something about that. And I think you hit on that, that, you know, that happens with this and what the horror of this. So I, it's funny. You mentioned this and I'm like, Oh, you know, the raft and it's crazy. I'm comparing it to saving private Ryan, but I'm going to make another <laughs> crazy comparison. Um, and that's Beastmaster. And there's this, those creatures, <laughs> the, there are those creatures in Beastmaster, those big bat things that like hug you and then dissolve you. Mm. It, you remember those fucking things. Those things terrified me as a kid. There's just something about slowly being dissolved by mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that was like just in the air in like that 20 year period. There's the shoe and fucking Roger rabbit, you know, it's like, yes. Like yes. there's just something about being dissolved is way more fucked up. The tar tar man and in return of the living dead. I don't know. There's, there's also, just something way more fucked up about being dissolved by something than just being like, I'm sorry. I'm bitten just bitten by a dog. I'm so delighted that Roger rabbit and fucking <laughs> beast master. Like the last touchstones for the yeah, raft. The, <laughs> the <laughs> last <laughs> titles I expected to be brought there, up. There's also an image from one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, and I don't know which. It was one that I didn't see. Hmm. I feel like it might be right. five or two, um, where he's like a kind of like a big worm, and he's slowly swallowing. That's three. That's, okay. that's Dream Warriors. That's three? Yeah. Oh, I have seen Dream yeah. Warriors. Oh, I love Dream Warriors. Okay, yeah, so yeah. I, I can see the production still in my head more than I can remember it in the movie, but that right. that um, that, that was Patricia the most Arquette. terrifying. He, that, the, that he's eating, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because she gets out of it somehow, because that's not someone who isn't that the main yeah i think that's when maybe nancy first goes back into the 
Okay. Like and confronts him and like he recognizes her and she stabs the big worm Freddy in the eye. I, I uh, watched all the Nightmare on Elm Streets like obsessively as a kid. Yeah, so so good. You're speaking my love language is what Got I'm it. saying. Good, 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 good. Um, what do you so think that, about Dan? What do you think about the uh, the effects work that was brought to bear? On well, that so the, that that was the other very interesting thing, and I feel a mix of emotions about it. On the one hand. When it started, I was like, oh, my God, it's just a tarp. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, on the other hand, I was like, oh, genius. Like, they they found a very simple way that was it was weird and gross looking. Like, you can kind of choose, like, to go down. You can go, this is ridiculous. It's just a tarp. Or you can let yourself embrace what they the merits of what they did. Um, and... I guess there's two versions of, of effects work. It's 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 the tarp itself, and then it's like what it does to the bodies. Um, and I was just sort of like, wow, what a simple, fun thing. I love that the practical solution to trying to articulate this. And there's just something a little bit bothersome when you see it sliding towards them and um, and reaching up in between the the raptor, you know, stuff. Right. And I think in terms of being on their bodies is is awesome like 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 uh, impressive and 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 horrifying and gruesome and and certainly you can tell that the last girl's like kind of holding it onto her face you know like she's like right but like it still is is deeply disturbing um and it's actually on people like it's really gross another touchstone here the the blob the the darebot written the chuck russell blob um you know, they, there's just again, it's that eating dissolving fucking killer clowns has the same thing when they're in uh-huh. the cotton, the cocoon yeah. thing. What yes. is it with the 80s and dissolving people for yeah. fuck's sake? But the uh, but yeah, when the, by the way, Eric, probably yes. the practical effect, probably they knew they could do that effect, right? And, and wanted to show <laughs> right. it off, you know, and we're always pitching, flabbing for it, and like, no, what can we do here? We can do that, you know, so let's everybody do it. trying to top the melting Nazi and Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark. That mm-hmm. may be yeah. why the blob got greenlit to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> like we we have the technology now is the time. But you're right. Like the the image that always sticks with me from this uh, from Creepshow Two from the blob or the blob from the raft section of Creepshow Two is um is when I th- I think it's the first girl that gets eaten where mm-hmm. she's like like reaching out you know yes. and it's like all yes. over her and like yes. kind of it's it it's liquid but it's also got some sort of strength to it and then a lot of the yes. shots like you said it's just a, a tarp in the water but when when they make it like gooey it is it is legit disturbing and, and you know and that's kind of there's some cosmic horror that's going on in the story that they never really touch on in the in the adaptation um because in the in the story it ends with the final guy giving in like to the hypnotic l- colors that are spreading like in oil slick or oh. whatever in the the thing he gives in and, and it's essentially calling to him and and uh saying you might as well just give out it won't hurt it won't hurt you know and, and he kind of sees into the void and the void sees back into him and that's kind of what they're going for oh, there interesting now in the short is in the in the story in the written story was there an arc for him? Like, was there a point? Was he, was, was the, was the, uh, was there a rape scene in the short story also? Or, you know, was that? Well, no, there, there, there's a fuck scene, like a, a legit, we're, we're super into each other, not a, uh, you're sleeping. Sexual. So I'm going to grope you uh, as they do in the, <laughs> in the, uh, in the movie. It's, it. it's still like, 
it's still a little problematic in the in the short story I remember, but not like what they did with the movie. It feels like what they did in Creepshow 2 was sort of give it this it's the shorthand version of the story and there's like a a a, a, a prurient in interest in the filmmaker in 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 showing that scene and you know unfolding it the way that that they did that I I don't think is the same as in the story. In fact, I think in the story even even though I th- like if I remember correctly, the guy has like sort of slapped the lady before this, like to calm her down or something. Mm. So it's kind of like a, you know, it's kind of on shaky ground to begin with, but then, but then, yeah, they start having sex on the raft and that's how it gets them. And, um, I think that it's sort of notable that, and I've said this before, um, much to my detriment. So I don't know why I'm saying it again, but I I think that um, Stephen King is not great at writing sex scenes. Just he's not, I'm thinking of like the sex scene in needful things, you know, or I don't know, really any of them. They're, they're kind of clunky and weird and, you know, uh, and, and that particular scene in the short story, I think is, is, despite despite what's going on around it it's written very well and is kind of hot up until a point and then it you know falls in on itself because you know the thing attacks and now it's like a gruesome fucking murder uh but i i do think it's in the in the grand scheme of things of of all the sex scenes stephen king has ever written it is it is effective in the sense that well it's it's a little you know you how do I fucking describe this? Okay. Actually, I don't know if I want to go down this road. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's but it's how the fuck There's do I put there's this? way more consent in the short story at the very least. Yes. We'll, we'll we'll say that much. Yes. Uh, they're kind of clinging together for warmth and they're freezing. Yeah, they're going they're going uh, through a trauma and that's that's kind of what I'm getting at is like I right. see. You know, yeah. you you've you know, it, it's like how people fuck after funerals. Right. Sort of. You know, like you, you're, you're confronting death and you, you're, you're just trying to live as hard as you can in that moment. And, you know, sometimes you hook up with someone at a wake, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's how it goes. And it's, it's got that feel to it. And there's something very real about that to me that I see, you know, um, like it's, it's horny. It's definitely horny, obviously, but it's, uh, there's, there's something primal in there with like our body chemistry or our, hmm. you know, the, the way we, we react to horrible things that, that I find very relatable and also just, you know, it's, it's well executed. And then at the end of it, you get this fucking killer scene where the, the thing sucks the guy down. It's yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of that scene in the, uh, in the short story up to a point in the in the in the 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 creep show segment not so much it's uh you know it's pretty rough <laughs> hell yeah mr rob zombie <laughs> listen up we're here to tell you uh in the mid show 
ad read about our friends over at Feels. Are you one of the millions of people who have experienced anxiety, stress, or sleepless nights? Then you too could benefit from CBD. CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel. Stress, anxiety, pain. With Feels, it's a better way to feel better. Feels is a premium CBD that will help you keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free and delivered directly to your door. CBD naturally supports reducing stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. There's no hangover or addiction involved. I want to point out here that CBD stuff is very helpful uh, on my end because uh, I have a lot of trouble sleeping. Mm. So I've taken various products, CBD gummies, regular gummies, what have you. Feels uh, are are really subtle and in a good way. There's no sense of maybe you overdid it with feels. Place a few drops of feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important and everyone's dose is different. Self-care has never been easier when you join the Feels monthly membership. You'll save money on every order, and you can pause or cancel at any time. Or if you need a a dose of chill on the go, pop one of Feels' new CBD-infused mints for a clear-headed feeling and added bonus, a little fresh breath in the process. In fact, Feels offers a free CBD hotline with dosage experts to help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect starting point. Feels dosage experts team is dedicated to making sure you get the best use of your CBD. So joining the Feels community membership makes your self-care easy. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. Start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today and go to feels.com backslash kingcast that's f-e-a-l-s dot com backslash the kingcast and you'll get 50% off your first order with shipping that's f-e-a-l-s dot com slash kingcast to become a member and get 50% off automatically i think sounds, that's it i think yeah, I, it sounds great yeah, i think i got through it yeah you got through it you done did it and i think it might be time to join back into that little raft conversation we got going on what you think hit me rob Like this is what I mean by poor filmmaking is like it doesn't I don't I cannot understand what the intent is. You know, like I just don't know you get nothing out of this tale. You know, if you make you make, every character is despicable, um, and not enjoyably so, not in a way that it's showing some other facet of humanity. Like it just is like this guy. Otherwise, not. It seems like a bizarre. It's, they certainly aren't like trying to keep themselves warm, like the way that you're describing. Like, isn't that isn't where it comes from? So it just sort of it really comes from out of nowhere. And I, I maybe I blinked, but I don't even remember there. Like you said, Eric, about the book that there's like everyone has interest in each, in each other and the other partners or whatever, and like. That wasn't even in the equation, I don't think, um, in the in the movie version. Uh, so there, there's also more... some like sp- like girlfriend beating and shit that goes on in in the story, which isn't which didn't age well either. But yeah. Mallory o- O'Mara uh, came on the show to talk about this once. I think it was her and Bria Grant, right, Scott? Yeah. If I remember yeah, yeah, correctly, yeah. the Reading Glasses team, and they they mm. came in and she pointed out that even in the short story that she picked up on a lot of homoeroticism between the the two guys or the two guys too. Like the mm. nerdy guy was like, she read it totally as him being into the jock. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, mm. And you know, I, I don't know. There, there's definitely a lot of confusing uh, 
sexual stuff there. But again, that reads as authentic because these are like horned up college kids, you know? Right. It just is. I don't know. This the, the, it became like what I I don't know why that scene was happening in the movie, and then and then the it's like okay, great. So just like there, there was no like oh, but the point is X, you know, or oh, okay, oh the, but the but the usually usually the final you know the, the virginal the person who abstained from doing the negative thing, the lesson is you know they survive. So let's you know try and avoid doing the bad stuff in life or whatever. Like there just was nothing, nothing to get out of this, but I will say, and it's just sort of a despicable person. Like I, what's, what's really uncomfortable is I don't know that the movie is aware that that's, that he's doing it. That's what makes me feel weird is like, is this a moment for titillation? You know what I mean? Or that's, they aware what, well, that that's what I was getting at earlier with it being like you shot with Purian interest. Yeah, there's there's it's and that was that was very common at the at the time when Creepshow 2 was made. Yeah. You know, uh, sexual assaults, rapes, um, you know, gratuitous nudity were like a hallmark of the fucking 80s and and the 70s, particularly in a thing like this. So I, I think I think that's it. I think it's really that simple. Yeah. Like. Let's, That's the part that makes you feel really uncomfortable. Like I'm not. Yes. This is not the, even the film. I don't feel like I'm entrusted hands from the author of this. You know. Separate from that, the final moment of him getting away, um, but then the bad guy winning. That yes. was the thing that stuck with me. Was that I don't know. There were two things that really made an impression in this regard, and it was this movie, this short. And there was a movie called that I bet you guys, if anyone has seen the movie, a zombie movie called Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I believe that the, the, the it was the first time I ever saw a movie where the bad guys won in that, where none of the heroes, you know, make it out alive. And that was like, and, and I'm sure that's in many things, but that was my first encounter with that happening. And it really, really shook me <laughs> it, was like, it was like i found it very disturbing and scary um, yeah well the first time you experience that it yeah. sort of shatters your yeah. your worldview of what movies are because the good guys are always supposed to win right. and it's a very mm-hmm. special moment whenever that happens i i wish i could remember what mine was but mm. i i do know that that kind of rewires your brain a little bit mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know uh it's sort of exciting um, yeah, I like I like stories where the bad guys ultimately win, you know, not because I'm necessarily rooting for the bad guys, but I like that variety out there. If the good guys won every fucking time, it'd be boring as shit, you know? Yeah. And it gives a little spice to the the safe movies that there's always that little voice of doubt in the back of your head. Right. Maybe exactly. this is going to end like the mist. You don't know this time how, <laughs> you know, maybe Vin Diesel's not going to make it out of the Fast and the Furious this time, you know? <laughs> Eric, would you would you describe to Dan how the short story ends? Because I'm curious to hear his his take on that. Sure, I, I talked a little bit about it, but it it um, uh, this is it ends with the main guy Randy, who's got the appropriate name Randy. <laughs> uh, he's the last one left. He can't sit down. He's cramping. His muscles are seizing, uh, and he's just he gives in to uh, like his fate this is it and he's he looks at the colors that are shimmering on the surface of this blob that's awaiting for him and it kind of hypnotizes him 
Um, and he starts to wonder uh, and talk himself into it. And you maybe not quite sure if this is also the uh, entity in the water, you know, part of its luring mechanism, like it, during this hypnosis, he's talking himself into uh, just giving himself over because the colors are telling him maybe it won't hurt. Like maybe it'll paralyze him before he, he, uh, mm. he goes in anything to get out of the agony that he's, he's in, you know, with the, all those muscle cramps and dehydration and, and uh, terror. So, and it ends with him contemplating all that and uh, deciding not to look away from the colors and give him the hypnosis. So uh, we, I, I don't think uh, King actually writes him being consumed by this thing, but it ends with him going, I'm giving myself over to this. And so the next logical step after that story ends is uh, Randy's, toppling in into this thing and the the blob is eating it yeah is there any is that the culmination is that seeded throughout the colors or is there the any... colors are mentioned and there's a couple of times where he catches himself looking at it and getting lost in it and then snapping out mm. of it mm. um and yeah that, that happens a couple of times um throughout the story and, and is the... there any is he having any personal stuff that this is then the culmination of like he's someone who was always stubborn and now he's not stubborn anymore you know what i mean like is there no he he's just kind of i guess of the two you know dudes there um he he's the weakest of the of the group for sure like he is he you know he he's kind of a he goes with his girlfriend but he's got eyes on the jock's girlfriend and mm. and uh, like so he's mean to his girl who he doesn't really want to be with but he doesn't have the the balls to like tell her you know that uh, mm. that he's not into this relationship he just wants to be with somebody so he's definitely like the weakest of the mm. of the group at least in terms of what he wants and asserting himself and you know mm. he he's established in this hierarchy as being kind of the bottom of the totem pole so i guess there's that aspect to it where he's the last one standing mm. in this um well yeah. i will say i will say the the final remarkable thing about and it relates to 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 Randy and and to that notion of him being out, him outlasting, but the final remarkable thing about um, the Creepshow version, uh, and maybe this is just me how I received it, but I definitely received it watching it the other day as as I did as a kid. Hmm. Um, was it felt to me like the girl was the the first girl to go was the one that was the set up to be the protagonist of the story mm. that there that was she's the there, final girl yeah it's because it, yeah. it was using the genre movie vocabulary of or grammar of like she's the quiet one and the the camera kind of goes in close so she's she's not kind of participating in what they're going through She's reluctant. Like it, it felt to me like we were spending a little bit extra time on. They're all these are just jokesters, teen jokesters having a good mm. time. And she's like got something else going on. She doesn't want to be there. She, you know, um, and so it felt like this is all lingo for every other final girl in 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 any other um, yeah. uh, horror genre thing. She's not there to fuck around. She's right. she'd much rather go be back studying, you know, that kind of exactly. Thing, right? She's the yeah. last person to go in the water and she, um, she's more clothed than the other people, you know what I mean? And right. then, and then she's the first, so it was doing the psycho thing. It was before I had seen Psycho. I probably saw this before I saw right. psycho. Um, and I was like, Oh wow. 
Um, and that really, I think I thought it was clever even as a kid. And then even now I, I was like, cause it, it also is not obvious, you know, it's just doing the thing um, where, you know, it's like insinuating that this might be the person that you want to pay more attention to. And like, you're, you feel like as an audience member, you're like, oh, I think she's going to be the, you know, the one it's not right. like, it's not like, it's not like it opens on like, this is your protect, you know, it's not do hitting you over the head with it. Um, so I, I thought maybe whether that was intentional or not, I don't know. There's so many bizarre, you know, storytelling choices in this that I, I don't know <laughs> if, if I can give credit. Um, but, but I did, I, I did make an impression and I did think that was, um, um, smartly done. Yeah, so, it's interesting. Yeah. Is, that, also, is that in the short? I guess in the short story, it sounds like Randy is is the full on like we're setting him up as the weakling, and then he becomes the guy. Who yeah, that's it. that's my recollection of it, and uh, I think that in the story, the one that's set up to be the the the, the lead is the the jock. You know, because he's he's the he's a jock, but he's also kind of the likable, charismatic guy, and. You know, and he's the one that all the girls want to screw. And, yeah. You know, he's just like that that guy. He, he's like he's a the one stiffler that, type. Yeah, he, he's got to got to have like a chiseled chin. You know, it's like he's he's going to be the uh, you know that kind of a uh, hero type. Um, mm. But uh, you know, talking about the ending of the creep show version, like I still love that ending. Like I, <laughs> I that 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 the whole idea of of uh you know him getting his comeuppance for uh whether like at the time like when i first saw it like you know the the whole consent thing was over my head right it was just there's a sexy scene i was either embarrassed to watch it or i was like super not embarrassed to watch it there was you know that there was that thing you know at the time mm-hmm. but like you know it it all it always even as a kid struck me that ending was he wasn't paying for you know, essentially the assault that he just did and, you know, and, uh, for that, but he was paying for, uh, his hubris at the end. Like mm-hmm. even as a kid, I was like, if you had just, if you hadn't gloated and just crawled up that embankment, you would have gotten away. Right. But mm-hmm. the fact that he turns around and, you know, is like making fun of this thing and, and, you know, saying he beat it and, and all that. And, you know, fuck you and all this, this stuff. That is like him paying the price. That, that's what makes it a very tales from the crypty, mm-hmm. you know, uh, kind of, kind of ending, and mm-hmm. uh, that I always loved, and I was a huge Tales from the Crypt fan as a kid too. Big so. time, yeah, big time. Yeah. I guess my final question for you, Dan, is um, if you're on that raft, if you're mm. Randy at the end of this thing, mm. would you would you make a, a swim for it? Would you try to get to the beach? I mean, I like to think that I would not have ever intentionally like fed it to preoccupy it but Mm. if it if it so happened to be preoccupied Mm -hmm. i might you know i might i i i think at that point it i wouldn't have done it in the from the get-go you know i i I definitely would have been too freaked out to you know but i think i think i would have tried to yeah i would have tried to lure it in another direction and then just go i mean better to you know die fighting than die you know, die standing. So you're saying you know, like you're gonna dangle a little, a little calf, a little toe into the water yeah, on the other some, end, yeah, and maybe, let it yeah. slowly float over there, and then make a run for it. Yeah, yeah, I think I would. Or push the jock in. I mean, why not? Yeah, 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 yeah totally. You'd be the guy. You're saying you'd be the guy in the zombie movie that would shoot, shoot the other person running in the leg to, right. to get away. No, no, I would. You know, like I said, I wouldn't intentionally do anything. But if there was a way to get it 
preoccupied. Otherwise preoccupied. Yeah, if they fuck up themselves. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have been out in that rap to begin with is the reality of it. Anyway. That's true. Because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah l- lakes freak me out. They, they always have, especially little man-made lakes. Mm. Yeah, what do you, I mean, th- that's the other thing is that the final shot of the lake no swimming sign is just mm-hmm. so like the, it's like building towards a thing you're like ooh what's it going to be like and it, and it's just such an obvious lame i don't know <laughs> it's it's classic in some regards but right. it's i'm like as that shot's moving i'm like i don't remember this ooh ooh it's like me some fun reveal like <laughs> like it's like a meteorite site like some like mm-hmm. a, like and something radiation that's, zone yeah 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 something was <laughs> buried by the thing but it's not it's not like it's it's not like the kids wouldn't have gone in if the sign were not the fact that the sign is like overgrown. It's not like those kids wouldn't have gone in if it wasn't overgrown. You know what I mean? Like it's not like they would have paid attention to the no swimming sign anyway. So it's not really a reveal of any kind. You know, um, if it said be beware of radiation. Um, right. By the way, uh, this is m- massive tangent, but we're sort of at the end of our dissection of this but it does this did remind me of another movie that i haven't seen i i I had on vhs up until recently um i used to watch a lot as a kid and i remember being very bizarrely structured um and i just have a feeling you guys will have seen this too um a movie starring henry thomas not et called the quest oh sure where there's something in the cover the cover box is like Sort of a construction crane with moss hanging off of it, and him in the foreground. I think so, and like, and like, um, like he's at the end of a dock or something. Yeah, but it's another one of those movies that I was talking about with someone the other day. Of like, there's movies with titles that make the movie sound like of a different genre than they are. This is definitely one of them. It's called The Quest. You know, like, oh my god, I was so excited to see. There's like, there's a show coming out called Lady in the Lake that is not an Excalibur show. Um, and then Barbarians, this movie coming out, it's like not Barbarian. You know what I mean? It's like this other thing, you know, but as a kid, any I, of these titles, I would have like, I see the alternate name for the quest is frog dreaming. Do, did you, do you see it, Eric? No, <clears> I've <throat> never seen this movie. Oh, man, I can't I believe you haven't would've. seen that. That seems. No, no. The only other Henry Thomas movie of this era was that was big for me was Cloak and Dagger. The best. Oh, Cloak and Dagger is a fucking Yeah, well, that's banger. a super austin movie, right? Yeah, it's super yeah. Texas-y because they go to Well, Alabama. San Antonio, technically. Okay, We'll, we'll yes. give it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what the but, fuck is that? Um, and by the way, not to fully go down this tangent, but yeah, the, the fact that that was John Forsythe, like when you grow up and you're like, that's who that actor was playing that guy? Um, the, 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 the bearded video game store guy was like insane. It's nothing like that guy, but, um, no, the quest. Yeah. There's like, there's something in the lake and he's too afraid to go in. Uh, but there was a reveal. This is Brian Trenchard Smith. Holy shit. Why haven't I seen this? And I think you're right. I think at the, the reveal is that it was just a construct. You think it's like a creature, like Loch Ness monster or something. And then it is just a construction crane. Yeah, it's on right. the cover box. Like they That's so it, funny. Yeah. I always thought that was weird because it's like why That's are you reveal. why yeah. are you giving that away right yeah. now? Yeah. I mean anyone with eyeballs can see what it is. Right. It's like a right. fucking right. not like a bulldozer. It's not really a construction crane. It's like a fuck, what do you call those? It's not mm. a bulldozer. It's not a, a Oh, it doesn't matter. Kind? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get a construction worker on here next week. Yeah. <laughs> Figure it out, folks. Well, <laughs> some guy versus the cover box from the quest. 
What's it? So what? 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 Not. I. I didn't. I purposefully didn't listen to it because I know that we would be discussing it. Was there something in the conversation you guys had with um, Mallory Amir and Bria Grant that? I. I mean, what did they make of the problem? I mean, they must. I mean, what was the? How was their read of that problematic sequence? And what? What did they come away with? Why do they want to bring it up? Is it? Was they say something about much different than what we've discussed? No, I think it, we landed in about the same area. It's yeah. You, you know, um, there's no theory to it that I think um, makes it better than it is. Exact, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah, we, we can yeah. see it, and we we you know with with 2022 eyes, you can perfectly understand why this isn't a good thing. Mm-hmm, you know, right. um, I think we we kind of settled on that. Like we agreed that it was absolutely kind of there just to get some TNA into the the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like, they kind of realized they had like, oh, there's all this animation stuff going on. And then, uh, you know, and then, uh, uh, an old, uh, you know, wooden Indian statue scalping people and, you know, which is all problematic on its own level. Um, not just the, uh, the native stereotypes, but also the, um, you know, the fact that all the, uh, indigenous people in that, that story are, yeah. are uh, played by white actors and brown, brown makeup. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like this is a fairly sexless, uh, movie. Uh, and so I, I, we, we kind of like all settled upon the, the, mm. the producers gathered around at some point and said, well, this is, if there's going to be any, any boobs in the movie, this is the place to, to throw it in. And I guess they thought this was the best way to do it. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. that's that's really it. <laughs> um, so, Dan, this is normally the point in the show where we allow our guests to tease whatever they've got coming up next. We we talked about this a little bit up front that uh, Prey is hitting. What would you like the people to know about this movie before they see it? Um, I think especially in light of the conversation we just had and the, and the subject matter of this podcast, I would want people to know that I, hopefully this is a much more intense suspenseful scarier entry into the predator franchise but also i think what's exciting for me especially is that while the first one um was very much a genre mashup of action science fiction horror but they felt unique at the time as i was only just barely discovering john carpenter as well who was sort of the, the king of the of the genre mashup um that this one what I think is is rad is that really it's an adventure movie mixed with science fiction and horror. Mm-hmm. Um, it is grand and sweeping and epic and has swashbuckle um, <laughs> and and sliding Put it on the poster. <laughs> and yeah, I mean it just it has it, swashbuckle. It really does. Like it, it's just there's just a there's it's it's got scope and um there the the score for this movie is frigging incredible um who's the composer it's this uh awesome awesome woman named sarah shackner who uh i discovered while playing assassin's creed uh the Valhalla, the latest one. And I was like, this music is beautiful while we were prepping the movie. Um, I was like, who did this? You know? And then I, I find her name and then listen to some of the the other previous video games she's worked on. Um, I think she worked on one smaller movie before, but otherwise I never really worked in movies. Um, And, and she wrote, I mean, it's so interesting because initially 
we were going for a more Sicario-y, um, brooding, minimalist, um, non-traditional mo- movie score at first. Um, and then the movie started saying it wanted something different. And um, she really rose to the occasion and wrote the kind of, you know, several themes. There are several themes mm. in the movie um, uh, as opposed to, I mean, a lot of times we, you know, we don't even have themes anymore in, in movie scores. Um, right. Or at least not like the kind that we grew up on, but there's right. so it's much in more this. tonal. Yeah. 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 Which I love. I love too. I fell in love with that era. Um, I shifted just along with the, the way that the zeitgeist went. Um, but now, you know, hearing what she's done, it's like, it's just so incredible. And there's also the more brooding tonal stuff as well. Um, right. So it's this lovely combination of very postmodern, but also very traditional um, a score that speaks to right. what the movie is, um, that it great. really is this grand adventure um, that twists into um, something else. So. You, you said that this was a scarier entry in the franchise, and I'm wondering how you went about accomplishing that, if you can describe it without giving anything away. Um, well, certainly in, in a couple ways. I mean, I think on the one hand, I think our 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 predator creature is much more creature like than it has been. Um, That's I think, intriguing. Yeah, I, 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 I How so? Well, I, for me, in in a few in a few ways. One, you know, I think so often, I think the the play the the guy in the suit and the suit itself and the way it's clothed sometimes felt like a there's there's a bobblehead quality um because of the the gears and gizmos that have traditionally been in that head that have made it feel very disproportionate to the body um as the entries had had gone on um it's gotten more and more excessive uh and it it often had this like netting um netted shirt uh that felt very 80s um and and f- filled with armor, it always felt like this is a professional wrestler's outfit, and I always could feel like there's a there's a guy in there, um, and we really did a lot um, to slim down. It's the it's the it's the slimmest in terms of like it's, it's the it's they've developed the suit to have the less less least amount of gears and gizmos in it, um, so it could feel the most proportional that it's ever felt before. It is still a hulking, massive, ferocious beast, but it's got a little bit more of a swimmer's frame, um, so it can feel, right. I think, much more alien and creature-like, so I'm not quite feeling the human proportions inside the body, um, the way that it's developed. It's less armored, so you're just seeing more of the reptilian skin of the creature. Um, and then... And then in terms of the way that the set pieces are structured, it's just, it's just, there's a lot more suspense baked in and there's, there's peril from all sorts of things. Not, not just from the elements, from um, other animals to the creature itself, to human, like there's just a lot of suspense sequences amidst the cathartic, you know, action sequences that follow. Um, so and and I think just having a protagonist that you feel much more linked to. Um, she is not the wish fulfillment of the the strapping Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, who who very few people can relate to, but everyone you know wishes they could be. 
um, this is this is a character going through something that I think all of us um, have inside of us and have gone through and are going through. Um, and it's much more of a like, could we could we take that on? You know, could we deal with what's thrown at us um, the way that she does? So. So yeah, I think that I think that's kind of how we how I scratched that itch. Interesting. God well, damn it! I, I'm so excited to see this one. Yeah, it sounds sounds rad. I, I can certainly say that the I would much rather face a a blob in the middle of a lake than than a, a the predator that you described. So oh, yeah, <laughs> I would be immediately murdered by the predator. <laughs> like no, like it would be over before I even knew it was happening. For Although sure. I'd well, probably, probably not, because I don't think. I mean, not to. I don't want to <laughs> insult you in any. But I don't know that. Oh yeah, you would predator pose... wouldn't even want. We're, we're exactly. not sport. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't pose a threat. Um, unfortunately. So I. Don't well, I'm pretty loud. Would... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, he might want to just get rid of my mouth. <laughs> which you know he would not be the first so <laughs> um well thank you so much for being here today this was awesome uh hope you come back and we're really excited about prey and also whatever wait do you have something else lined up after this no i don't i mean okay yeah i don't well that's <laughs> nothing unfortunate. you can talk about at the yeah yeah, yeah 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 well, I, 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 I hope to see you continue making movies. I, I love the work that you've done so far. And um, this is a real pleasure. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Many thanks to Dan Trachtenberg for coming on and talking the raft with us and sharing yeah. a little bit about his Predator movie, too, which uh, I regret to say I still have not seen. And that's I, uh, I haven't uh, seen it either. I heard that uh, uh, screeners are going around and everyone I, I've talked to about it is hyped yeah you know, they, it's getting huge marks everywhere and yet no screeners in the hands of mr vespi or wampler uh really uh disrespectful hurtful yep. this is a slight um, that we will remember for aeons yes. decades possibly, possibly generations crime, to come even yeah <laughs> really upsetting stuff dan but 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 we do thank him for being on the show and uh you know we're real excited to see that movie this friday hell yeah we are uh shit this is such a good segue that i can't ignore it for more more chit chat so speaking of this friday what do we got going on on our patreon scott um well we have a former uh king cast bonus app guest uh by the name of brianna ziggler you may remember her from a few months ago or maybe it was years ago i can't remember at this <laughs> point like uh when things happen but uh uh, on her previous appearance on the show, she was talking about um, the road virus heads north. The mm. short story and the uh, Nightmares and Dreamscapes TV adaptation that uh, brought it to very um, boring life. Uh, she's coming <laughs> back this week to talk about Autopsy Room 4. So you're going to get some Buried Alive talk. You're going to mm. get some. Um, what, el- what else did we talk about in that episode? We. Oh, it's- we- it's substantial. We, yeah, we kind of discover that we are unintentionally like making her watch and report on every single one of the shitty <laughs> Nightmares and Dreamscapes TNT shows. Yeah, uh, but I like so. Autopsy Room 4. So I guess that's a uh, part of it. Yeah, there's a big bit of a debate. She she wasn't uh, as keen, and I think I fell somewhere kind of in the middle of you two. So yeah, uh, yeah we go in depth on that. We talk about... 
Richard Thomas and recognizing that he's in this episode, who was mm-hmm. the adult Bill in the It miniseries and John Boy on the Waltons. Indeed. Uh, yeah, we, you know, it's, it's one of those hyper-focused episodes where we get to hyper-focus in on a short story and, and it's debatable uh, adaptation on, on TNT. Fair, fair. Fair. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's it's another fun one, and she's great. And, uh, yeah, that'll be really cool for you guys to listen to this Friday. Make sure you're signed up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash thekingcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll hear that and all the hundreds of hours of other bonus episodes that only exist over there. Very true. And uh, let's talk about what's going on in the main feed next week. Ooh, next week, we are taking a slight detour in the Kingiverse to a little ditty by the name of Carrie the Musical. That's right, the notorious Broadway flop that has inspired whole-ass books about where everything went wrong. And also, it should be noted, there's a kind of a quasi-rabid fan base for this thing as well. Our guest, fittingly enough, is a Tony Award-nominated musician and lyricist who is not only a King fan, but a big defender of this horribly derided musical theater adaptation of Stephen King's first novel. So that is the episode of the show next Wednesday, assuming that neither of us get killed or Uh our guest explodes Mm -hmm. or or anything like that. It has happened before. Um, You know, unfortunately, as we all know, Ryan Johnson, uh, tragically, burst into flames before he could record his segment for the uh, first year anniversary show. And, you know, rest in peace, gentle angel. Um, But I think they trace that back to a voodoo doll. Somebody made out of like a pop Funko or something on, on YouTube and uh, just set it on fire. And I guess that shit works. Yeah, indeed. I think that's all uh, about all I got. Yeah, that's, that's it. So we'll see y'all on Friday for autopsy room Four discussion over at the Patreon and next week with Carrie, the musical in the main feed. Talk to you later, folks. Bye. The King cast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted and created by Eric Vespi. That's me and Scott Wampler, Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel danger is our art director and editing is done by yours. Truly. 